Welcome, friends. I'm your host, Darina Gilmore-Young. And I'm Sean Young, and you're listening to Episode 8 of Walk, Run, Soar, a podcast about the intersection of faith and running. We help runners and walkers who lack purpose with their exercise routine or lack of routine and long to experience God in a more meaningful way while they walk or run. So today, we're interviewing my friend, Jen Rowland. She's a Christian health coach, a certified personal trainer, a behavior change specialist. We're going to hear more about that, a mama and a teacher by trade. And Jen helps people gain confidence, clarity, and accountability for their health journeys. Friends, thank you for tuning into our podcast. We are here to run with you to pace you, and to inspire you with our weekly podcasts, devotionals, scripture, interviews, and quick coaching tips in about the time it takes you to go for a short walk or run. So pop in your earbuds and listen in. Each week, I'll be starting off by sharing a short word of encouragement from scripture to help you get kind of a cool drink of living water before we go into our interview time. And today I want to talk about navigating injuries. This is something that a lot of us have to deal with as we are training, whether it's for a specific race or just as our bodies begin to get older. And I know about a year ago that I was battling a back injury, especially my lower back was really hurting me. And I went to go see a chiropractor and he said that I had a pinched nerve in my lower back. I also had a rib that was out of place that he had to pop back in. And it was just a really painful time. And it was something that extended over days and weeks and really inhibited me from running in the way that I was used to. And so it was just a very hard and disappointing time. I had to do a lot of icing and stretching. I used some essential oils and took a lot of ibuprofen to deal with the pain. I struggled. I struggled with my sleep during that time. And it was rough to sit at my desk or to ride in the car. Well, finally, after several weeks and several trips to the chiropractor, I started to feel a little better and I was able to get back into my training just little by little. But you know, when you've lost that momentum with your training, you kind of feel like the tin man out of the Wizard of Oz. I mean, I got out there and I was all creaky and stiff but I still wanted to persevere. And during that season, I have to say that I really grew a lot of compassion for friends of mine who have dealt with chronic pain or pain that has extended over a longer period of time and definitely interrupted their training. So this was very humbling for me. And it was an eye-opening experience because I realized that the mental stress was even more than the physical stress, just knowing that I couldn't get out there and I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do and I couldn't reach the goals that I had set for myself. So I'm guessing if you haven't experienced some kind of injury before that you will in the future, we all experience pain in our lifetime, but thankfully none of us are alone in our pain. And I actually went on a little treasure hunt through the Bible looking if 
anyone in the Bible talked about enduring physical pain. And I happened upon Psalm 38, where David writes a lament about his battle with both physical and psychological pain. And he says this, he says, my back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. Now, if those aren't raw words, I don't know what is. He was so honest in just talking to God about his pain, about his hurt. And what strikes me is David's response from the place of pain. He waits on God. He trusts God to see him through. And in Psalm 38, verse 15, we see evidence when he writes, Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord, my God. There's several different translations that use this phrase, I put my hope in you, to give us this further understanding of David's posture. He's hurting, he's discouraged, he's burdened, but he still pivots to hope in God. I hope that I can react in that way when I am facing physical pain and even emotional pain. And throughout the Bible, there are all kinds of reminders that God stands with us in our pain. One of my favorite verses is in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, and it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And then Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God reassures us. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, for sure, it doesn't say that we'll never endure pain. And we know that Jesus endured the most paramount pain and suffering through his dying on the cross. But we can see through these verses that there's great comfort, that God walks with us through our pain. And I also love the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, where Paul says this. He says, for light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So friends, pain and suffering can serve as important tools in our lives. Injuries that we might experience, whether it's physical or emotional, we have a choice to turn toward despair or to turn toward hope, just like David did. And so I think about you today. Maybe you're struggling with plantar fasciitis. Maybe you have shin splints that you've been enduring. Maybe you have knee or back pain or IT band problems. A lot of these are very common for runners. Maybe you're facing depression or anxiety. Maybe you're struggling with fear. I want to encourage you to be patient with yourself and your body. We have to let the power of the Holy Spirit be our response to the pain, that we have to pray for that courage, that faith, and that trust in God during these times. And so, friend, be encouraged that you're not the only one who's experiencing injuries and pain, but we can lift our eyes to God who can see us through even the hardest battles with injuries.
Today, our special guest is my friend, Jen Rowland, and we actually met through the Hope Writers Group, which is online. So we haven't met in person before, but I'm so excited to have this chat with Jen. We share a lot of similar passions, and she is a Christian health coach, a certified personal trainer, and a behavior specialist who writes and speaks. So you can see we have many things in common and she's also a mama. I'm so excited for you all to hear her story and to hear her heart today. So welcome, Jen, to Walk, Run, Soar. Thank you so much, Dorina. Thank you for having me. Well, today I'd love for you to start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, your family, where you live, kind of how you spend your days before we get deeper into the interview. Sure. Uh, Well, I live about 40 minutes west of Baltimore, Maryland. I have three kids, ages eight, um, six, and 11. And my husband and I have been married for 14 years. We met at the University of Maryland. He's an engineer, and I was studying to be a teacher. And so how I spend my days right now, my kids are all learning from home. I do private coaching. Now it's online coaching, um, health coaching with women. I'm also gearing up to start my own podcast, the Health and Wholeness Podcast, So I'm excited about that. And then I serve in some ministries in my church, children's ministry. I teach the pre-K kids and I'm also in a mom's group ministry. It's called Moms Next for moms of kids that are uh, school age. Love it. So you're a busy mama. We've got three daughters, um, ages eight, 11 and 14. So kind of in the same range as you and trying to sort of juggle distance learning and coaching and work as well. So I know we're excited to get to know you a little bit more. I know you're a writer and a coach, and you really teach a biblical perspective on wholeness. Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal journey? I immediately thought of this book. It's called The Second Mountain by David Brooks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read it, but he talks about how he, it's called The Quest for Moral Life. And he talks about how the first part of our life, we're journeying up this first mountain. And we define success by what we accomplish. And we're like racing to get to the top of the mountain to make a name for ourselves. And we're striving for excellence while sometimes sacrificing our relationships with God and others. And so that was me actually in my 20s. I was a a workaholic. I poured all my energy into my work. I was a school teacher, a high school biology teacher. But then I was also taking graduate classes and doing national board certification. And I just was striving for success at the expense of my health. And so in pouring all of my time kind of into my work, I actually had such high stress levels that I had shingles three times before I was 30 years old. Wow. My marriage was, was really struggling because of that. My husband and I were like two ships passing in the night. Our schedules were completely different and we weren't really getting quality time. And I was just squeezing God into the, the Sunday mornings of my week. Mm-hmm. And after I had my first daughter, who's now 11, I just kind of burned out and I realized that something needed to change. And so I stepped away out of the classroom for a while. I stepped out of teaching. And even though I knew deep down that was the right thing to do, but it was one of the absolute hardest things I've ever done because I realized in doing that a lot of my identity was just grounded in my career and my sense of worth was connected to my accomplishment. And so David Brooks talked about in his book how that when we kind of fall off that first mountain, there's like this valley the valley between, he calls it, falling off the first mountain. And in the life of the believer, the valley is where we encounter the presence of God. And this was 100% true for me. So it was like climbing, striving, achievement-based. 
And then when I stepped away, I kind of hit rock bottom and had this period of kind of like grieving the life I had and, you know, these unmet expectations for what I had. And that was really where I found Christ. And that is when you begin the journey of the second mountain. And the journey of the second mountain is where we kind of shed off living for ourselves and instead are living for Christ. And that's kind of where I see myself now. I'm, I'm climbing up this second mountain. And so in living for Christ, I really started diving into reading scripture. I joined a Bible in a year group. It was the first time I read the Bible the whole way through, you know, from cover to cover. I started attending a new church where I felt connected and I actually could feel like the presence of the Holy Spirit for the first time. And I started uh, just creating space to hear God's voice, like setting aside quiet time. Um, to be with him. And that really changed everything for me. That's when I felt God calling me to include my faith. I'd started doing health and fitness coaching, bringing in my science background and like coaching experience a few years prior. But at that point in my life, I really felt God was calling me to include him in it mm-hmm. and to make my faith the foundations for the choices I make that help other women do the same thing. I used to have very much of like a deprivation mindset with my food. Like I can't eat that. Like I would never eat pizza mm-hmm. at a party. I would, you know, just very strict, like what I would stir in my oatmeal in the morning, like make sure I had my flaxseed in my wheat germ and I wouldn't eat, like I would only eat certain things. And um, with my fitness, it was like, you know, perfection, exercising maybe for more superficial reasons. And so when I really started diving into scripture, I started seeing things differently. Like eating was a way to fuel my body well, so I could carry out God's purpose. And exercise was a way to care for my body, not to beat it into the ground. And and to honor God in that process of caring for our body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I just wanted other women to see that too, that they can ground their habits in God's truth and, you know, kind of shed off these uh, limiting beliefs that we have about, about ourselves or about, you know, why we do what we do to really form lasting habits. So that's been this whole second mountain for me has been this journey towards wholeness or complete like mind, body, spirit, wellness. That's beautiful. I love how you articulated that. And let's talk about that word wholeness for a minute, because I know that that's something important to you. And definitely our devotional book, Walk, Run, Soar, kind of looks at that perspective of wholeness. I would love it if you could kind of define that or describe that for our audience. I know that when you say wholeness, that it is grounded in biblical truth. So there's definitely a lot of definitions of wholeness floating around. I've seen it define as just like showing up as your whole self and allowing, you know, all parts of your worlds to collide. And, but for me, so wholeness is a state of perfect well-being in mind, soul, which is your body, will, and emotions and spirit. And it's not achievable without Christ. So we were created to be completed by Christ. So to be whole, my belief is that we need Christ to be part of our journey. And I think our whole life is a journey toward wholeness. I don't think it's like, oh, okay, I'm whole now. I think the the point is that we're growing toward holiness, right? As we become more like Jesus. And so becoming whole is about reframing our mind, which is the mind piece. You know, it's about connecting to God, union with God. That's the spirit piece. And then, you know, the, the body part comes in as we are um, using our body, you know, offering it as a holy and living sacrifice to the Lord. Now, you know, as we age and I'm experiencing this now, like I sometimes feel like my body is moving in the opposite, like the wrong direction. Like it's becoming more broken. (laughs) And I remember sharing that with a friend. Like I want to become 
whole. I want to be, you know, more like Jesus, but I feel like my body is moving the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And she said, but God is working on you on the inside. Mm-hmm. And, and I see that like just with um, the intro, how you were saying, you know, like with the, the pain and suffering, even as our bodies are experiencing this pain and suffering, God is still using that to move us toward wholeness. And so for me, that's just, it's like the end, it's the finish line of the race is the wholeness and our whole lives are just a journey, you know, toward getting there. Oh girl, you're speaking my language here. (laughs) (laughs) So Jen, you seem like a very goal oriented person. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on how goal setting influences you, how it influences you to exercise as well as in how you coach other people. Yeah, that's a great question. So I definitely am a fan of goal setting. I think it's really important. I I do think it's important to have like both product and process goals. So when I work with clients, you know, a lot of times maybe they want to lose weight, for example, or they want to increase their muscle mass, but having process goals as well focuses on what they can control. So I think the important thing with goals, um, they obviously need to be, you know, like smart goals, like they're specific and they're measurable and they're relevant and, and all of that. But I think that when we set a goal, we do have to kind of hold the outcome loosely. And this is tough even for me because I hate not meeting a goal. You know, I've been known to not meet a goal and internalize that as like I failed. And I think a lot of men and women do that too. But having process goals as well as that, tying them to that, to the product goals is important because the process goal might be that I am going to exercise this many times a week and that we can, you know, usually control. Mm -hmm. And then also just pairing them with like intentions, like I'm going to express gratitude for a body that's able to exercise, or Mm I am going to experience joy in this process, even though it's physically and mentally difficult for me. (laughs) And so that's one way I kind of look at goals. I I had this experience I was going to share a couple years ago, I ran a half marathon with my husband. And I set a goal before that, I would say I'd normally go out and I'd run like three to five miles. That was normal for me, but 13 was not normal for me. Um, So three to five, I could do. So I'm like, you know what? I want to push myself. I want to sign up for this half marathon. And so we signed up for Virginia beach. It was relatively, you know, flat. That was a good one to do. And I, you know, train religiously like every day I had a calendar. I know you guys do that with your book. You have a training plan. I followed the training plan, like to a T And I was ready to go. And the night before the race, we booked a hotel right on Virginia Beach. And the hotel next to us let their band continue to play way past the curfew. (laughs) So I'm trying to go to bed early to get a good night's sleep. And meanwhile, it's like 11 o'clock, 1130. And I just keep looking at my watch like, I have to get up at 530. I'm only going to get six. I'm only going to get five. I'm only (laughs) And then, of course, you know, I work myself up. Right. And I only got four hours of sleep. Like, you know, I planned for this thing for 12 weeks. I got four hours of sleep, got to the race and that pre those pre-race jitters kind of setting, you know, where your stomach feels a little off. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to use the bathroom. Like before I run, so I go to get in the outhouse line. The lines were insane. I'm like, all right, I hope this news quickly. So I get in the line and sure enough, I didn't didn't make it to the race line before they did the gunshot and they started the corrals going off. So I was supposed to be in corral three. Well, corral three started and four and five and six and seven. And I didn't get to start until nine. So I was supposed to run an eight thirty mile. I was in a group with a 10 minute mile. And I remember feeling like I'd failed before I even started. 
Oh, yeah. You know, it was like I'd set this goal. I diligently followed. I was disciplined. I mean, I made myself. I would wake up and be like, I don't feel like doing hill sprints. I'm going to do hill sprints because yeah. it's on my thing. Even if I don't, and I just tell myself, just do one hill sprint. Even though you're supposed to do 10, just do one. And But I I would, you know, it turned out, usually I would do more than that. You know, most days I went ahead and I did what was on the training plan. So to have that happen was so discouraging mm-hmm. that I was starting. Yeah. And I remember weaving in and out of people. But you know what, as it turned out, you know, it was an amazing experience. Even though my music cut out like halfway through the race, I didn't have my worship music going. I actually still did meet the goal that I had set, which was to run it in under two hours, which was great. Um, So I still met the goal, but it didn't work out anything like I planned. And for me, that was just a lesson in a a lot of different things, like just giving ourselves grace, you know, a big, a balance between discipline and grace. You want to discipline yourself, but you also want to give yourselves grace and that things don't always turn out the way we want. Sometimes we meet the goal and sometimes we don't. And so as I was running and not knowing if I was going to make it, just trying to like praise God for the ability to be able to run and to be able to just to participate in this, because it was just a really awesome experience. So I would definitely recommend it to people, even if they were to walk it, but goals don't, don't always get achieved the way we expect, but I still think it's important to, to set them and to pair them with intentions. I like how you differentiate between the two different types of goals between process yes. goals and product goals. I think that's critical because you're right. There are only certain things that we can control. And if whatever happens on race day, you get a bad night's yeah. sleep, maybe the weather's horrible. I mean, you, you can't yeah. control the weather or who knows what you pick up a bug or an illness of some sort. I like how you describe the differences between the two. I can definitely relate with how race day can feel so different from those training days where you have worked hard and you mm-hmm. reach those kind of smaller goals in your training, but you just never know what's going to happen on race day. I know I've had a few just challenging races. I did the Chicago marathon a couple oh, of years yeah. ago and I worked so hard to get ready for that thing. And then I had some stomach problems and not great sleep the night before Mm. and got caught in some lines for the bathroom, similar to what you're saying. Oh, it's so frustrating. But getting to the finish line is also a goal. And even if we don't make our time goals, you know, just to encourage other people too, who set out to do that. And one thing I like that Sean does in his coaching, he always talks about A, B, and C goals, that it's good to to set kind of the higher goals for ourselves, but also to have some different options so that we see that growth that happens along the way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there are those things that we just really cannot control that will happen on race day. So there's lots of lessons to be learned. You know, one of the things that I know is part of your story is that more recently you have experienced some nerve pain and some things with your body and your physical health that have kind of held you from some of the goals perhaps, or you've had to kind of pivot. I think it's a reality for so many people that are needing to navigate through injuries and it affects us physically, emotionally, spiritually. So what encouragement would you give? What encouragement would I give? Well, yeah, dealing with pain and injuries is really hard. I, I can relate. It is, it is very hard and it's very easy, easy to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. And I know in your intro, you talked with, you gave the example of David and you talked about how he was turning toward hope. And I think it's important to have that internal perspective. I know it's hard in the moment because you just mm-hmm. want to be well, right? Um, but having that perspective of turning toward hope, like regardless of our circumstances, the God of all hope is still on the throne. We know the suffering is only temporary 
you know, whether it lasts a couple days or a couple weeks or even years, it's only temporary because it's, you know, it doesn't go beyond this life. And, you know, God's promising to use everything, you know, for our good and his glory. I know it's hard to trust that in the moment. I've experienced that too. We're like, really? Like, how is this good? But you don't always see God's side of the story, right? You think of like this tapestry and we see the underside, like the messy tangled threads. And he's seeing like this beautiful picture, the other side of the tapestry. And we can't see that like this side of heaven. But I think turning towards hope is really important. Remembering that even if our body feels broken, we turn towards hope and not despair, like you said in the intro, then we are still moving toward wholeness because we're still growing to become more like Jesus. Jesus suffered too. And sometimes following him means partnering with him in that period of suffering. But in that period, another thing I think is important to turn toward is toward other people. Mm -hmm. Because I know that it's very easy to turn to isolate and to turn inward. And I think that's the way that, you know, the enemy then uses that to just weigh us down with discouragement and feelings of failure and shame. But when we instead turn toward community, we have this connection that fights anxiety and depression, because that's one of the weapons that we have to fight against that. And that's what I found in my own journey with the injury is that when there was a period of time where I felt like I didn't want to move, that I actually struggled more because my mental health wasn't what it should have been. Mm. And I think exercise, as we all know, has benefits way beyond our physical health. I mean, it's important for our, our mood and our energy level and just like our outlook on life, the endorphins and everything that's released through running or through exercising. Be patient with yourself and do what you can do. So even when I, like, I can't run right now, but I can swim. So I started swimming and I can't do like plyo and high impact, but I can still do light weights and I can still, you know, there's aquatics classes. And for people that are struggling to get motivated, like just maybe start by walking with a friend or put your, your buds in and walk with the, your, your favorite podcast. But do something to make it somewhat enjoyable and just be grateful for what you can do with the time and just give yourself some grace during that time. That's such good advice. I love that. Yeah. Jen, we know, we know that you're a coach and Doreen and I are also coaches. We've coached together in many different contexts, but can you tell us what do you love about coaching and why do you coach? What I love about coaching is just seeing the transformation. I think that's mm. just like when I was a teacher and the kids would get it and I would see the light bulb go off and yeah. yes, I got it, right? It's the same way with coaching. I see, you know, women will come to me struggling maybe with, with food issues, let's say, for example, like they're turning to food for comfort or stress relief. So they have kind of this like unhealthy relationship with food and they want to improve their, their eating habits or um, maybe they want to eat in such a way that they can also tone up because they want to train for something. But I love to see that transformation as a coach. And I also look at it as an example to be to disciple others. Because with my coaching, I am bringing God into it. And so people know that when they sign up to work with me that, you know, I don't believe that the change occurs on our own strength and our own willpower. I think we have to rely on Christ's strength and on his power, that the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is self, you know, self-control, patience, all of those things that when we lack, we get off track. Well, that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so I bring that into my coaching. And uh, recently when I became a behavior change specialist, I thought it was really cool because I learned more about how to coach in such a way that you're not telling your client what to do, but you're actually tapping into their own like 
helping them uncover their own strengths and internal motivators so that you can use that to uncover their why that's meaningful to them, Mm -hmm. that's connected with their core values, and also being able to ask questions in a way that gets them to process and reflect and think about their own solutions because they're, they can take ownership over the process that way if they come up with it. So rather than saying, this week, let's work on this habit. You know, where, what do you think might be a good next step, you know, to move you toward the goal that we set, you know, in our first session? So they're offering that up. So my role is to kind of to ask questions, to guide them, to help hold them accountable, but really to tap into their own motivation, core beliefs, what's important to them, what their goals are, what their strengths are. And help them realize that, you know, with, with what God has already given them and with the power of the Holy Spirit, that they can achieve those goals so that, you know, the coaching isn't indefinite. And so the goal is to get them to the point where they can take ownership over those own, those habits and they can go out and continue them Mm -hmm. instead of like a diet where you follow a meal plan and then it ends and then you just fall off the wagon because they don't really know how to eat healthy. They're just following up what someone told them to do. So I, that's what I love about coaching. It's teaching in a different way. And it also has grown me because it's a shift in mindset of I'm not telling I'm guiding, I'm facilitating, Mm -hmm. I'm asking questions, I'm holding them accountable. And yes, if they ask for advice about, well, what do you think I should eat? If I want to gain more muscle, then, you know, I'll share that with them. But oftentimes I'm just kind of linking arms and guiding them along. That's such an inspiring approach. I really like that. And I think, you know, it's also a testament to you being outward focused. And those are the best coaches because you're developing them, you're training them so that it becomes a lifestyle. It's not like you said, just a diet or a 12 week Mm -hmm. plan. And then people are kind of floundering when that thing is over. So you just giving them the tools so that they can move forward. I really like that. What is the intersection of faith and running in your life? How would you unpack that for our audience? I love that that you are making a whole podcast about this because I really do think there is a huge intersection. And sometimes, you know, people see them as these parallel roads and they definitely connect. We had talked earlier about, you know, the Bible calls us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And one way that we honor God is through caring for our bodies. Like we're called to care for our bodies as Christ cares for the church, right? We're also called to discipline our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so there is discipline involved with running, obviously. We know that God gives us grace. And so I think it's important to also factor that in there as well. And I think that just like the running journey kind of parallels like this journey of life. Like there's going to be detours, there's going to be setbacks, but we have a choice whether we look at them, you know, as, as, you know, we regret, regret them, or we kind of accept and expect them. I think it's expected in the Christian life that there is going to be periods of trial and suffering and in running and training or whatever kind of exercise you do, there's going to be these pitfalls. And, but those detours are actually divinely placed to grow us. Mm -hmm. And I think recognizing that, that they are divine detours and that they are growing us is really important. There's a verse Philippians looking three, 13 to 14, actually, because it's really uh, 12 to 21. It's on the message called focus on the goal. I don't know if you're familiar with that passage, Mm -hmm. but Philippians three, 12 through 21 is called focus on the goal. And it talks about Paul writes about looking for others who are running the same race. Mm -hmm. 
And, and so she says, stick with me. We're all running toward, you know, the same race towards Christ. And I love that. That is my life passage because for me, it's about, you know, seeking out other people that are on the same journey toward health and wholeness and linking arms with them, looking at their, their running journey as an analogy to life really. And then, you know, just simple ways. I mean, I love running to worship music or working out to work swimming. Now I have earbuds, you can buy um, waterproof headphones. <laughs> and, wow, and so wow. I've done that. And that's really cool. And I just think it adds another dimension. Some of your best thoughts come when you're walking or running, you've got that worship music in your ears. I feel like God speaks through music. It's a way to connect with God in nature through the lyrics and then, you know, again, just paralleling the, the Christian life. I know that self-care, soul care, and rest is something that you deeply care about. Can you share uh, a little bit about what self-care means to you? Sure. Well, I'm going to address it since we talked about like the wholeness being body, soul, and spirit. So I'll do it that way. So with your body, I talked about earlier how I had this like deprivation mindset, like counting calories, can't eat this, like forbidden foods, like this is a bad food, like that type of thing. I think when it comes to, to what you're eating, I like to think of them as life-giving. So you want to eat life-giving foods, like foods you think of, you know, you wouldn't put cheap fuel in a Ferrari, right? Like, and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you want to fuel it properly with life-giving foods and, and, if you're eating mostly life-giving foods, whole grains, you know, lean proteins, healthy fats, then it's okay to have the ice cream sundae when you go out to, to eat once in a while. And that, that doesn't need to, you don't need to feel guilty about that. You know, God gave us food to enjoy as long as we're not turning it to things that we should be turning to God for, mm-hmm. like companionship right? A fulfillment. And um, so that's what I would say, like when it comes to food, I think, you know, obviously movement is super important, but also rest. I know Dallas Willard said that to like, to be spiritually healthy, we have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And knowing how I was like in my twenties where I was go, 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 go. I, that's probably why I didn't hear from God because I was so busy that I didn't give my mind a chance to rest, to be able to hear God speak. And it wasn't until I kind of slowed my life down enough to really listen and got and got into God's words. So I knew what his voice sounded like and how God speaks that I was able to be like, that's God saying that he wants me to bring my faith into my coaching because I kind of, you know, I know who God is now. I write his word and I, and I, I, I keep, this keeps coming back up again. And So I think that the rest and getting into scripture and prayer are also really important aspects of self-care. The mind is the getting in the word because that's what renews your mind. The body is the movement and the food. And then the the spirit really comes through surrender. I think like allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us really comes by from saying, you know, like I'm going to give myself over to you. And I just think that's has to happen. I mean, for me in multiple times a day, I still struggle with that in because as a former perfectionist, you know, and wanting to be in control, it's very hard to surrender the outcome of things. But I think that that's a big part of the journey is just that surrendering and uh, letting God work in you. Mm, That's beautiful. I really love how you articulated that in the different mind, body, spirit aspect of it. And I think sometimes we neglect that, you know, we think about rest and immediately we think, oh, you have to go take a nap. And rest is something that 
in order for it to be restorative really has to touch kind of those different areas of our life. Thanks for sharing that. Very thought provoking. I think rest can be different things. Sorry. Like I remember someone telling me that like rest doesn't have to mean sleep. It's turning from the thing that normally maybe causes you stress. (laughs) So for me, it's like not planning, not planning the meals, not planning the day, not scheduling. And and I just thought that was a unique perspective Mm. that rest could be going for a walk if that's a break for you, right? Mm. If that's taking a break from the hustle and bustle of your everyday. Yeah, that's so true. I I read a book called Rhythms of Rest by Shelley Miller and That's one of the things she talks about in that book that was really instrumental for me is that in order to rest, we actually have to change our normal rhythm. And so if our rhythm is the busy, busy, the planning like you're talking about, then we're actually not resting if we act the same way on our day of rest. Even if you're doing something different, if your pace is the same. And so it's just kind of interesting for me to challenge myself. Okay, so if I'm going to take a Sabbath day, I have to pivot away from what I sort of naturally do during the week and not fill it with these appointments and all these other things, having me move at that same kind of harried pace. Mm. So let us know how we can support you. How can our listeners connect with you more? And I know you've got a lot of exciting things coming up. I have a website. It's www.jenroland.com. So just one N J E N R O L A N D. And so I write about physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness because I really do think they're just all very interconnected and one, you know, feeds on the other. They all have to kind of work in sync with one another. So they can go to my website. When they when you subscribe, there's actually a free jumpstart guide. It's got healthy recipes. It's got some free workouts in there, as well as the seven days of devotionals to help them bring God into their health journey. So they'll get that when they sign up. Uh, right now, I'm also doing a series where I'm having women share their stories of how their faith has played a role in them moving towards health and wholeness. So it's called Testify. So I'm running that series now in the fall as I gear up to start the podcast. But if they sign up on my blog, then they'll also get the emails about the podcast when I'm starting that. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. So at Instagram, it's at Jen Roland. And on Facebook, it's at Coach Jen Roland. So it's www.facebook.com and then forward slash Coach Jen Roland. And so they can connect with me there. I also have a private group. So if they sign up for the blog, then they automatically get welcomed into a private Facebook group where there's a little bit more discussion and I kind of help those women if there's anything they're struggling with, they're looking for specific resources, then I can help them in that group. And I also have a freebies library too when you sign up. You are just a wealth of resources and encouragement. So I hope you all will check that out at jenroland.com and we will definitely link some of those resources in our show notes today. So thank you again, Jen, for being with us. It's just been a joy to hear more of your heart and realize how much is really resonating with what we care about as well. It was so fun to talk with you guys. Thank you so much. For this week's coaching tip, we are talking about injury prevention. One of the key things with injury prevention is to listen to your body. You need to have some flexibility with your training schedule based on how your body feels and the demands of life. Even if you had the most perfect training schedule, if such a thing existed, that was uniquely crafted for you, 
Sometimes life throws us curveballs, and sometimes our body just doesn't want to cooperate. That's when you have to allow for some grace. Give yourself some grace and take an extra day of rest or go easier on that day so that your mind and body will be ready for the next hard workout. Before we close, I just wanted to share a few more details with you about our new book. Walk, Run, Soar is a 52-week devotional and training journal that's designed for runners and walkers. And it was just released on September 29th. And this is a book for people who long to experience God's presence in a deeper way, whether they are pounding the pavement or traversing the trails. Walk, Run, Soar gets you moving with a new motivation knowing Jesus more every step of the way. And we wrote this book really with you in mind. So we hope that you will check it out. It's available on Amazon and all the places where books are sold. And don't forget that this weekend is the kickoff for the Walk, Run, Soar virtual run. We have runners from all over the country, from the East Coast to the West Coast, and even in Canada, who will be participating in this virtual run. There's a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon. We are cheering on all of you and can't wait to see your pictures. Please tag them with hashtag walk, run, soar. And we also want to invite you to subscribe to our weekly Glory Graham newsletter. And this is a newsletter that we have designed just for you. It's a personal way that we stay in contact. We share inspiring stories, recommendations for great books, videos, music, running tips, and more. So this is the place that you can go to stay connected with all the things that Sean and I are working on, including our podcast and our race that is coming up. So thanks for joining us today. This was episode eight of the Walk, Run, Soar podcast, where we talk about the intersection of running and faith. Connect with us at my website, darinagilmore.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review because this is what helps us find other friends who would like to listen in as well.